0: Welcome to Bevington Banter, the show where we can sound like we're arguing even when we all agree. I'm Cassidy, and together with my brother Cade and dad Randy, each week we discuss a selection of news stories, topics surrounding the culture, and matters of freedom and faith. Thanks for listening. Follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Share it, and if you like what you hear, rate it five stars on Apple and Spotify. So where do you want to begin? Recession we're not in a recession. I don't, what are you talking about? It's only uh, Allie Stuckey. I like that she tweeted. It's only a recession if it identifies as a recession.
1: <laughs> it's so crazy. Cause I've just been, you just been getting flooded with all these people going back and record and playing clips of all these people who say we're not in recession, who are defining a recession. Exactly. You know, the two quarters, two quarters yeah. of
0: negative GDP. Yeah. Okay. You know, I did have one thought though. I mean, Yes, here's the thing. It doesn't change the fact that people are like feeling the impacts of a recession. And I thought it's kind of like COVID when you're you're like, oh, I kind of have a cold. Maybe I should take this COVID test. And it comes back positive. Like it doesn't change the fact that like your symptoms are the same. You were felt sick before and you feel sick now. Like it doesn't change anything. And I felt like the same thing about like this, like the GDP numbers come out and confirm that we're in a recession. But it's like, okay, well, we already we already knew that. It's not really telling me anything new. (laughs)
1: Right. It's so many things now when something happens, it's like I'm not as focused on the actual what is happening as to why it's happening and the response to it. Why are they responding to it the way that they are? For example, if you say, well, if they want to say we're in recession because we have two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth, um, if everybody – out here living life still felt good about their economic situation, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't hurt them so bad on, um, on the upcoming elections. What's going to hurt people currently in power in the upcoming elections is not the label that you put on it. It's what people are experiencing. And, and the only hope they have because they can't turn around the economy for two reasons, because one, it goes against their political and ideological agenda to go back, you know, to more of a Trumpian system of of econo- of the economy, uh, and they don't have enough time to really, you know, turn it around significantly. They could do a few things that will help, but um, so it's it's about what people are experiencing. So the only hope they have is to re-label it or or not label it. And I saw that uh, Bongino reported that Wikipedia in a 24-hour period yeah. went in and made 47 edits. Well, people the,
0: can change that. So, yeah, but there were 47 yeah, were edits made to the back, change.
1: Yeah. yeah, but not anybody can. That's one thing. Not anybody can edit yeah. Wikipedia. I can't edit Wikipedia. You have to be some. You have to have a record or something. You
0: can submit stuff. Yeah.
1: So, anyways, it, it just lets you know. That's when you, you go. So, why is this going on? That's the more interesting question.
0: Well, people are so. They people's attention spans and their memory is so short-term. I wonder how much even, like, how gas has gone back down a little bit if people will forget. Like, they'll just see, they forget that it's still up from what it was. They just right. see, oh, it went down.
1: Right. It drives me, and I hate to say it, but those are the kind of moves, this re, this releasing of the million barrels a day to try to help bring the price down um, on gas, knowing that there are – it. Sometimes I think we forget. You only need to change a small amount of votes, it's to true. So you only need about three percent of stupid people. And in, I've with short heard memories. some polling
0: that some, like the Senate races, aren't as
1: right. good
0: as all the red. You know, everybody was saying it's this red tsunami. Right. It's it's tighter. It's not looking as great as they thought.
1: Yeah, I I had seen an article where it's like yeah they're separating the terrible leadership of biden from the rest of the yeah democrats. from the
0: party yeah. yeah he's just some crazy like fluke what that what, I say, still, what i would say
1: what i would say to our listeners today is you got to understand that those rest of the party democrats they're the ones that are causing joe biden and his administration to implement the policies that they are implementing biden yeah. isn't doing this on this stuff on his own i mean i i've followed joe biden as a politician since 1988 when he was you know outed from the presidential race Due to his plagiarism, and he is he is not what we're seeing now. Well, he is in that he goes along with whatever you know gets him the most time and the most power. Um, but ideolo- he has no ideology. He is doing what what these the rest of the Democrat Party want him to do. So you can't really divorce them. I know they're trying to make that case, but it's not it's not a legitimate argument.
0: When you said he has no ideology, I thought of a line from Hamilton. The Hamilton, where Alexander Hamilton is the character is talking to Alexander Burr, and he says, "If you stand for nothing, Burr, what will you fall for?"
1: That's uh, yeah, that's an old that yeah. saying. Variations of that saying have been around for a long time. I'm sure. So it's yeah, you have to you have to have some you have to be grounded in some principle, or I mean, it's even biblical. I mean that's biblical. If you know, if you're not grounded in the truth, then every wave of teaching that comes along, yes. is going to toss you around. I mean that's,
0: you know, I do. Uh, we do something called spiritual direction with a uh, a guy. He's a spiritual director or whatever. But basically, it's a time. I it's actually. I thought I was going to hate it at first, and I did. But then once you like get into it, it's actually. I I look forward to it now because I don't spend time, like, reflective and being like, what is God showing me, what's he teaching me, where's he leading me into, until I get there and, like, he makes me think about that stuff and asks me those questions. So, but, um, we, we were talking about, I was saying, I, I feel like I, I want to be more open, like, just constantly open to, like, the voice of the Holy Spirit and listening. And he was asking more about that, like, not in a way that open to, um whatever comes like I'm just going to go along with or like accept whatever new thing comes but in a way that like because then you're blown and tossed by the wind I don't want to be so it's like this balance between being rigid to where you think you know it all and you like the pride of you're not open to the fact that you could be wrong or to new ideas and then on the other side where you have nothing and you're just blown by whatever comes like I said I met. Right. I met. Quoted the verse being tossed by the waves somewhere in the middle, where I'm. I know the truth, and I'm like, I have conviction, and I'm walking that. But I'm listening. I'm open to the idea and testing things that, you know, I don't know at all, and I could be wrong and reevaluate things. And there's new information.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's good. Uh, if if you're not always kind of taking information as it comes in and whether it's consciously or subconsciously holding it up to the mirror of what you already think and seeing how it compares, how does it, does it make sense? Does it, does it confirm? Does it, you know, contradict? Um, is it a slight, is it a new aspect that you look at? Uh, And that's something I really believe this. This is a, I'm sure it's not new because there's nothing new under the sun, but I've never heard anybody else say it before. Um, we tend to, uh, So this is something I came up with. We tend (laughs) to argue with uh, the idea of something as being incorrect when we debate things philosophically, biblically, you know, those kind of uh, ways. Um, And usually it's not that our understanding or what we're the 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 viewpoint we're putting forth is incorrect. It is often, however, incomplete. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so we need It's 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 like we need a fuller understanding and right. definition of what what it is that the position that we hold. <laughs> what was that? The, oh the mom's
0: rack, that rack just fell over.
1: Okay. I because I have earphones on, I thought that was is that in my office or your office? Yeah.
0: No. <laughs> mm. uh,
1: anyway, correct. Mom incorrect. has piles You're and piles. Yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah, it's um, so oftentimes like when I have discussions with people biblically from a, a philo- you know a theological standpoint, it's like my my what I'm saying or what they're saying, it's not really you know incorrect. It it's just it needs a more forward, more with your broad... limited
0: knowledge and understanding. That right. is the conclusion that you have. Yeah.
1: Right. If you were to make an argument that power, you know, power of the power of God and the Holy Spirit active in your life comes from a time of Prayer and fasting—you um, could certainly make that argument. But if you—if you, if you uh, ignore the fact that power and, and and guidance from the Holy Spirit also comes through um, holiness, study of Scripture, wise counsel. All of those are ways that we can grow in power and and wisdom of the Holy Spirit, not just the one. So if you argue that it's just simply prayer and fasting that does that, then you have an incomplete understanding of how we become more empowered by the Holy Spirit.
0: I don't know how we got here from recession, but hey. (laughs) That's why it's
1: just banter. I I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that uh, after our last show. I was like, you know, we could use more structure in our show, but then I thought, but then it wouldn't be banter.
0: Yeah. And this form of podcast is very, there's a lot of podcasts I listen to that are very big and growing that this is what they do. There is not that much structure. Very conversational.
1: I have to admit though, I do listen to, um, you know, and that's what's different because I, a lot of podcasts I listen to are just an individual so they have a format like I really right, like cause you have I to. really you like can't just yeah
0: mindlessly you just
1: babble well, really, on yeah by I really yourself really like with uh, Matt Knowles or phew, Matt, Knowles, Matt Walsh and, and uh, Michael Knowles they have very specific uh, format to their program every day the way they walk through their program and I really like it but that's just one person you
0: like structure
1: I like structure or until it, it keeps me from going where I want to go I, pre- I really preached last week along that kind of idea, that subject, that what, you know, the purpose of the, the law is a teacher. And so the idea that we think we all want freedom, but freedom really is not, uh, you know, not freedom in its purest sense the way we think of it is not good. The law needs to instruct us. Because, and I talked about Breit, you know, Breitbart is famous for saying that culture is down, or politics is downstream of culture. But the truth of the matter, and that's the world's way of doing it. The truth of the matter is from a biblical way, culture needs to be down law, downstream from the law. The law should govern our culture.
0: Okay, so I love this. I actually have been talking about the same thing, experiencing a similar thing. So basically, we have no idea where we are. We have moving our theology segment from where it's normally at the back up, apparently. But I also—so recently, I write on Substack, and you could go read Cassidy's commentary, uh, an article of something that I— went through of a past with an eating disorder and then coming through a lot of healing. And then at camp as a leader, realizing that there was still like, I, I equate it to basically like here's a ball and chain and you've got rid of like the, you've filed through the chains and you got rid of the ball, like the main weight, but you're carrying around with a little bit of that weight. Like it's still shackled on those chain links and you may not even realize it, but talking about Hebrews 12 saying lay aside every weight, and run the, like, especially the sin that so easily trips you up and run the race. And so, um, and realizing there was still some weights and like, or you could say crutches too, I realized that I'd been a vegetarian ever since. And that was a good thing. It helped me when I wasn't healthy. It helped me to start eating more and getting healthier. But then I didn't realize down the road, oh, how big of a crutch it really was. So it helped me walk when I couldn't. But then at some point it was preventing me from being able to run freely, right? Because you have this crutch. And using rules as things that uh, for when we need them can be good and helpful, but then when we actually experience like the, tr- the full healing and freedom, we don't need those. R- then the rules become a thing that's holding us back. And I don't need the rules there because I know how to walk now. I know how to follow the lines, and it it carries over. And then Cola was having like a similar kind of revelation with something in his life, and then I was saying how it. It also equates to like the the law. This is in general like what you were saying, how the law is a teacher, and in, like in Galatians, him talking about how we why we had the law, but now we live under a new like don't make yourself uh, subjected to all these things in the law anymore because we have a new covenant. But the law was there first as a teacher as you said or the rules in my analogy the guidelines when we didn't know how to live because we didn't have when we don't have the holy spirit or the full understanding we don't know how to listen and follow the leadings of the holy spirit fully we need the law to guide us to keep us in the right but once we are matured in our faith and we have that, we know how to listen to the Holy Spirit and we want to and we follow his leading. We don't need the rules so much anymore because we know what to do. We know how to live. We know what's right and not.
1: Do you see a you know, a couple things about that? I think that's a really good point. And what I see in the difference between the law and salvation by grace, the law is uh, applicable to 100% of people. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Um, but when we you transition to salvation by grace, you see, and you read this in Scripture, it becomes more personal. What the Holy Spirit guides us as an individual with, mm-hmm. the, with the law as a backdrop kind of lighting things. But something that is permissible for you is not permissible for right. me. Yeah. So it becomes more personal under the new covenant where the law is 100% applicable to 100% of the people. Now, the other thing is... Um, the law is still in effect and it still applies to everybody that is not saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. When they stand before the judgment, they will if they are not if Jesus is not Savior and Lord, they will be judged according to the standard that we were given in the law. Yeah. And everybody fails to meet that standard. <laughs> That's a problem. So yeah. yeah, it's really interesting. I I yeah, I just thought in the world, the way we turn everything around, this idea, and everybody loves this, you know, Breitbart saying of uh, politics is downstream of culture. Politicians are going to implement things that they see going on in the culture. They're going to, they're right. going to turn it into legislation because it, it, it empowers them and people go, right. oh, I like they that. They want to stay in power, but, yeah. But it's, from a biblical standpoint, the law should be governing governing our culture. Yeah. Not the other, it, not the way we not. do it. Yeah, <laughs> So... <laughs> Uh, in, under the theological uh, area, I had this uh, just one word I would put on our notes, and that is depression. And um, that's tying to this recent information that came out after like a uh, multi-decade yes. study that this idea that all the depression that we have going on in society and all the treatment it, is being given with these, um, you know, medications to deal with a chemical imbalance of low serotonin and stuff is, fa- is a, a lot of the, it's falsified it's not true it's not true it's not legitimate whether it's been falsified i don't know but the evidence hasn't shown after several decades that the problem is in fact a chemical imbalance um, but although that led to a really long discussion on um the daily wire backstage i don't know if you've listened to it from last night i thought it was a, a fabulous show i thought it was so good and the discussions they had along along that line, I thought, were really really interesting, in um, uh, just understanding that hey, Matt Walsh was so blunt as to saying, "Why do we think that depression is is the um, abnormal state of man?"
0: Right. They're just deciding how wh- how man should be, what state, what mental function, or whatever you should be in, and then we prescribe to that. Right. Like if you're not in that, then there's something wrong. But the, that more was interesting. We,
1: but the more we describe the more they prescribe these um, medications, uh, we get, we have more and more cases of depression. So if it's really, it's really helping, then how is that possible? Isn't that, doesn't that kind of prove the point that it's not, not fixing anything and the issue is not low serotonin or chemical imbalance because nobody's, we're not seeing a decrease in the number of cases of depression. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't. I've never thought about it philosophically as at the level that those guys were discussing it, but it, I would, I certainly can see the point that they're making that life is, we are, we are, we are fallen. Um, and so from a Christian standpoint, we're fallen and there's always going right. to be negative things that happen, things that we would prefer not to happen, things we don't like, things that annoy us, things that cause problems for us. There's anxiety there's friction there's stress in our relationships and everywhere else and so it's it you have to really work uh and be conscious not to fall into a depression over those kinds of things on the other hand if you are not christian or religious and you're just an an, i don't know whether to say ever say nihilist or nihilist um you just think you know we're just nothing but meat sacks and then we Mm -hmm. die and that's the end of it my god that i've I find that infinitely more depressing. That is
0: way depressing.
1: I mean, what if I really believe that, I would just go put a gun in my I mean, I I, right, guess I like shouldn't what, say that, but
0: there'd be no um, fear. I don't. I actually was talking about this kind of about this with one of our students last night at youth cuz she was I'm talking about I don't know, she basically brought up that she wasn't afraid of death and then we started talking about, you know, well, what do you what do you believe is after? Um she hasn't really been in church or like a strong Christian home for her life so um, that was an interesting conversation but yeah I don't see how if you think there's nothing after <laughs> can, the can, is, could this
1: life be more pointless if there's nothing I, after could it be more pointless I can't imagine anything being you know really more pointless
0: and if you and then people say well yeah you have you know think of the posterity like the people that come Well, what do they matter they, they're just okay, gonna come and be unless, and gone
1: anyway yeah but even that unless you make the history books the people that knew you are they're also going to die in going to nothingness maybe the next generation will have some knowledge of you but beyond that you didn't exist so what is the point so and so i i don't even buy that argument i was talking to there's a young lady that uh, attends our church and um it so happens that her great grandmother and my grandmother um we're sisters she has no idea who her great grandmother is because i told her i said we're kind of related and she was like <laughs> and so i asked her if she knew who tink and well, Marie. you are related yeah we are it's not kind of but related. <laughs> yeah but it's still i mean a distant yeah um so anyways um yeah she had no knowledge of who her great grandparents were so
0: like she didn't even know they're names or like not really vaguely like nothing about them So it's not just the fact that she didn't know them because they didn't live in in fact when i asked her
1: her grandfather's name she even hesitated on that to come up with it
0: his name is grandpa (laughs) right
1: exactly that's what i figured she (laughs) was she was fighting to get past the idea that he was just grandpa yeah yeah (laughs) Uh. they have very interesting names though her great grandfather's name was tink that's what he went by tink and her de- her fa- grandfather's name he went by Gig,
0: <laughs> Tink and Gig. Yep. What a world. Yep. One of the things they talked about on the uh, that backstage last night was uh, Ben Shapiro brought up Sabbath and how if everybody just actually practiced that, and I could not agree more. It is something that. Has been a recurring theme around here in our lives lately, and just like having some kind of Sabbath. It doesn't have to look like the Jewish Sabbath, right? But just that idea of having rest and time where you're just with family or doing things that you enjoy and are not working. And um, they, it was, it's one uh, of my senior pastors, mentors, I think, is the person who said this quote, or I don't know where it came from originally, but Sabbath is the only commandment you can break and get praised for. Right, because you're oh, what a hard worker, or what a you right. know whatever, and right. yeah.
1: It it would actually take work to practice and develop a good Sabbath. Yeah. Because it's what I find hard about that is that it's hard to turn off, um, the thoughts of preparation for what's coming the next day, and then starting into the next week. And yeah, knowing.
0: or just feeling thinking like you're being unproductive like we have such an idea that you can't be
1: yeah that's um the 10 years i spent at lighthouse really uh made it very really damaged me in my ability to relax because i worked so hard those 10 years and let me just tell anybody out there that's listening that uh is in ministry or thinking of going into ministry if you haven't figured out yet it is a lie straight from the pit of hell that if you work harder the church will do better (laughs) <laughs> I'm not saying you shouldn't work, you know, do your job and fulfill your responsibilities and be prepared, but just simply working harder, doing more will not make the church become what you want it to be or what you think mm-hmm. it should be. So, well,
0: And a healthy church is not necessarily determined by numbers. You can have a lot of numbers and being unhealthy, like not actually discipling, growing people, whatever. Yeah. So a lot of metrics for how do you measure I if don't your even, church is "quote unquote" successful,
1: yeah, I don't even know if I don't even know if that's a, if there is any way to do that. Yeah. So I always looked. I I've heard somebody say this one time. It was like you know you want to pastor all these people and have a growing church. They said Jesus discipled twelve guys, and one of them, <laughs> and one of them, and one of them blew it big time. Yeah. So. <laughs> I thought wow, that,
0: that was—I've never, yeah. I thought
1: that kind of put it in perspective. <laughs> I feel a little better now. Well, <laughs> have turned him over to be crucified for some coins.
0: <laughs> oh man,
1: that—that that goes back to where I kind of started this. We are a very—we don't because we live in this as our norm. We do not appreciate how broken we are. Oh yeah. I—I I like to think sometimes. Um, we don't think much of like the minor little annoyance, the fu- the little tiny inconveniences that come along because they're just there. That's just such a normal, so normal area. Yep. And I'm like, think about the most minute annoyance or inconvenience that will not exist in heaven. Isn't that amazing? I find that just utterly amazing. N- n- nothing, uh, amazing. nothing. Yeah. That's going to be, Yeah. It's gonna be incredible!
0: Wow, I'm trying to think of like the littlest things that would be, and be like, Don't, I'll never have to, we'll never have to put water in the Keurig. It'll just... <laughs>
1: <laughs> you mean I won't have to put water in the Keurig because Mom always runs it dry and leaves it for me to fill up. Cole which, always which fills is it not true. So unless Mom's he's been filling it a lot lately,
0: unless he's you know out. For the army thing, like for the whole weekend or whatever, I never have to do it. But we I have, have to do it here at the church.
1: We have so much coffee at our house. Oh, my gosh. Mom and Auntie Jeannie just made another trip to, uh, what's the name of that place in Walpock? Wyman's. Wy- Wyman's, yeah. They took Annie Not G- a sponsor. Took Annie but G- if they want to. can <laughs> be.
0: Buckeye Blend, we'll take it.
1: Yes. Took Annie Jeannie <laughs> to the Neil Armstrong Museum. Oh. So... She just left to this to this morning around, I don't know, it was about 11 thir- 11.30 or something. I don't even
0: know she's going to be there until Mom yeah. sent that picture of her at VBS. <laughs>
1: Callie is like, why does she have to go? Oh. She's
0: I, fun. She always it was a fun aunt.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. that's what Judy, what, what Mom said, though. She's all like, yeah, she goes, when I'm here watching the girls, I can sometimes take a little break and go, let's put something on the TV. He goes, but with Annie Genie, it's like, let's go play on the swing set. Let's go play in the water. Let's go oh. to the park. Let's go. Yeah.
0: And she didn't say, my arthritis cannot.
1: Well, she just does what she can do. So I know they had a big time.
0: Well, should we get get back to
1: something? <laughs> well, there there are some other promising things that I've seen. I mean, with all the insanity that goes on, that I can get frustrated about, I I'm going to focus on a few positive things. And that's I heard uh, Governor Ron DeSantis talking the other night uh, as. Uh, Along the same lines as also, heard an interview with um, a guy named Riley Moore, who's the treasurer, state treasurer for West Virginia, and they are both talking, and they're in the efforts of passing legislation within their states that will, that's going to prevent these big investment groups and state retirement funds and all this stuff. They can't be involved in ESG and get state contracts and do business. So,
0: what does that? How? How does one?
1: Well, for example, what are the
0: parameters?
1: For example, um, I don't know the details. I just tell you what I heard him saying. Um, Let's say you're Florida, and you have your state retirement funds are invested in these asset management groups, like I'm going to use BlackRock because they're the biggest and they're probably the most woke. Um, So, uh, BlackRock takes money that comes in from the Florida state retirement, and they might purchase and invest in projects that are funded by or owned by the the chinese the ccp and um florida's saying no you will not do that or you will not get our like you know um billions and billions of dollars uh Mm -hmm. to invest you we're not going to do business with you anymore
0: i'm yeah i'm just wondering how they because there's nobody out there that's saying like we're the esg companies so i'm just wondering how you put the parameters around you know you can't invest in so like chinese people who are associated with the chinese well, communist party people associate with davos or the world economic forum right. or what
1: here's the other and other part of it is and it's something i've been talking about uh, even on our podcast on a personal level but they are going to um they want to combine and take back their voting proxies rather than rather than you know because they have all these shares of vote that represents votes well BlackRock votes those shares for them. They're they're saying, we're taking these these huge blocks, and they want states, he wants to get other states to go together with him. So it'll be huge blocks of votes because they use those proxy votes, and BlackRock is like, there might be, you know, gazillion people invested in BlackRock, but they're making almost every single vote It's what BlackRock wants. So they put the people on boards of companies that they invest in um, that they want, such as um, Exxon... Um, mobile they 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 had a plan to increase their oil production like over the next 10 years like by 20 percent well blackrock came in and voting all these proxies replaced two people on their board and putting green people and they didn't they went from like increasing it by 20 percent to like to actually reducing their oil production and that's counter that's that hurts the investor you're using my own money against me that's not what i want i want them to expand and make more money so that i make money you're you're voting against my own my interest yeah so DeSantis was saying we're trying we are as a state and we're trying to get other states to work in agreement so where we are taking back all these votes they're not voting our votes for us and doing what they want we'll vote them and we're going to vote in our own best interest and in our investors best interest so i thought those you know i thought those were really good things i i mean i i he's if not, it's got to be done and he's taking it on and i'm glad he is and it, the more that it's out there the more it'll get discussed and more to get written about maybe more people will get on board with it and start doing the same kind of things because if you we keep hearing that the uh economic pain that we're feeling is because we're in a transition right they keep talking right. about transitioning. Well, you got to ask, transitioning, why are we transitioning? Transitioning to what, and what is the impact of it? A
0: new economic structure. Yes, it's a
1: new economic structure, a new cultural way that we do business here in America, the way that we interact with each other socially and politically and all that. But when you boil it all down, what they're, it is, when I right. keep talking about ESG, that's what they're trying to transition to. And
0: I also realized last week that we said when we were – Saying what it stood for, we said economic, social, and but isn't environmental. It environment,
1: environmental, yeah. social. We, and we ended up talking Didn't about we? environmental. Yeah. So, so it, they're talking about tr- transitioning to this ESG model, which is what BlackRock and these and Vanguard and these guys are are, are promoting. The trouble is, is that Sri Lanka was touted ten years ago. This is they're going to get all this money. To invest in sri lanka if you'll follow the esg model and this is going to be our proof that this is really good this is going to be our model country and they've collapsed and right. and there's and there's revolution there and rioting and the and uh it's you know food prices are double it's it's a disaster that's what they're trying to transition to
0: can't wait <laughs> Hey, but um, when the food prices are a disaster, they did say our government did say, "Hey, we're not in a famine. We're not in a famine I know. yet." That was the most so.
1: incredible statement. It's like, quit your bitching. You're not in famine. <laughs> it was like, I'm paraphrasing slightly.
0: Yeah, guess I'm putting an explicit label on this one. <laughs> okay, but on that topic, did you hear? That, this was a couple weeks ago now, but the New York Times published an article that was titled, A Taste for Cannibalism. Yes. Now, in their kind of defense, they weren't necessarily saying it's time for cannibalism, the author of this. She was simply, according to her, commenting on the rise of um, the... Oh okay, so a spate of recent stomach churning books, TV shows, and films suggests we've never looked so uh, we've never looked so delicious so to one another is what the author wrote and just saying all these other things in media or pop culture where there has been um, depictions of cannibalism and she said that cannibalism has a time and place <laughs> citing all these things and I. I just... Yeah. It's it's interesting, though, that all these depictions of it are in, like, you know, worst-case scenarios. People, like, plane crashed in the, you know, whatever. Very kind of Lord of the Flies-esque. And they had to eat each other. Or one where it's, like, this sadistic doctor that's, like, killing and eating women. and um, But all these things in media. And said, a fascination with cannibalism, perhaps not surprisingly, can toe a fine line. But then goes on to...
1: This is one of those places I'd be like, okay, why? Why is this being written? Because I don't think most people have, while there are some people that could and some people that could not, you know, do this whole survival. Your plane crashes in the Andes and you're stranded, and there were some people that were killed and, you know, died in the crash. And you, after a couple of weeks, you end up eating them. I, I don't think anybody, you know, everybody understands that. Whether you do it or not, that's something else, but everybody understands it. So, So that's not what she's writing about. What is the point of this article? Why why is she writing this? And I, I don't have an answer for that, but I can't imagine it's a good thing.
0: So the author wrote, I think that we're obviously in a very strange moment and noting the coronavirus pandemic, climate change, school shooting, and the country's current political state as possible factors, whatever that means. Also, at one point said some kind of depiction of capitalism, you know, like, your dog eat dog world or something uh and the author of one of the novels s- posed that her theory that is that cannibalism quote might be an antidote to the actual horror of what's happening to the planet just bizarre
1: well they're doing every. there's all kinds of things that you see going on that all seem to be targeted at reducing the world's population yeah Um, And so so she's talking about the horror of the planet. I have to assume she's talking about less people so Mother Nature can.
0: I think she like climate change or that we're moving to, you know, we won't be able to have food, food shortage. We'll have to eat one another.
1: This whole idea of climate change and the fact that we have warmed, um, I guess, two degrees or so after over the last hundred years. um, Can you point to the downside of it for me?
0: Yeah places where you couldn't grow anything before right or now you're you're growing
1: more food and you have a longer growing season
0: people historically have died from cold cold, at far far higher higher rates than dying of heat exactly yes you might have a few more people die of heat but the decrease in the amount of people that would die of cold
1: is far greater right so i i don't even even if i thought it were man you know and i i I won't deny that there's fluctuations cyclically in the climate over hundreds or thousands of years. But I, I don't – I'm not really sold that we're causing it. But even if we have this minor change, um, I can tell you – I mean this is one of the advantages of being old enough. Um, it's no – I don't see anything happening now that didn't happen when I was a kid. And while for, for some places, I know this summer is really hot. Um, it's not here. This hasn't been a warm summer at all for us.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean it's in the, hot here but it's not like a record like right. it's always hot here. This is a high we've desert. Had,
1: <laughs> we've had rain our crop the crops are going to be off the charts I think this 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 fall uh, harvest because man the, the with we've gotten rain at when it needed it the corn and the beans have you know just gone nuts. Um, it's actually green here right now where it's usually like I'm on my third or fourth week of not mowing. Um, so a long,
0: The lines of cannibalism, can I give you another uh, weird thing? Sure. So there was – this was last Halloween. It came out – it was like a – you know, at the Canes Film Festival with, I think, a partnership, some kind of horror. Like it was supposed to be a, you know, Halloween-y thing. But a vegan burger with a marketing campaign claiming that the patty tastes like human meat. And it won an award at the Canes Canes Lions Festival of Creativity. So part of the – canes Festival and the human meat burger was advertised for Halloween. It was created by a Swedish plant-based food brand, one the 1A won Silver brand experience and activation lion or something at the festival. Okay, but the ingredients consisted of soya, mushrooms, wheat protein, plant-based fast fats, and quote a mysterious spice mix. So my question though, really here is yeah, it wasn't it was, you know a Halloween thing. It was supposed to be, you know, it's kind of spooky whatever or a disturbing for Halloween. But how do they know what human meat tastes like in order to get this?
1: Well, that's what's going to be exactly my comment is how do they know it tastes like The guy is incredibly proud
0: of the award and the great teamwork behind it. I'm proud of all the people that gave up their flesh for me to know.
1: (laughs) Can I suggest, though, that even different people might taste somewhat different depending on their diet and depending on their fat content? I'm sure. So – who's to say this is specifically what humans taste like I don't know I want to know where this idea of cannibalism how is this this is really rude and insensitive to our vegan and vegetarian
0: right that was one of the comments or in response to the, the New York Times article was first they tell us to go vegan then this <laughs> tell us
1: to eat each other Again, this it's goes, for the
0: animals we can't eat the animals if you're going to eat something eat another human
1: this goes back to the nihilism of our culture, you know. But
0: I wonder how there are, like, there's documented stuff of, like, cultures that work, that practice cannibalism. If you eat too much human meat, you will go insane. Really? Yes. I remember I learned about it in my anthropology of religion class.
1: It causes you to go insane. Does there, do they know why?
0: There, yeah, something, certain proteins or something— but, yeah, you'll basically lose your mind.
1: Hmm. I I kind of connect this idea of it being this food source for um, the new Saudi Arabian, the line. They're just going to have a no, big, that big butcher shop of human beings. I think
0: you're not going to know, though. No, you won't know. You, have you seen? Yeah. Have, the video literally looks like every single depiction of a you know dystopian— a uh, book, movie, no, you know, novel, whatever. So it very much felt like a soylent. Like you wouldn't know, at the end right. you would find out soylent green, green is people, right? Right. In, the, okay, in the so the line. line.
1: Yeah, you have to explain it as. Yes, the
0: line is the this. I mean, it's such an idea. It's so far from being done. It's Their early city. dates were like twenty twenty five, but it, they were like, oh, it's going to be longer than that. But it's a Saudi Arabian, Saudi backed thing. It's going to be in Saudi Arabia. This planned like basically utopian city society it is I remember like over a mile long and it's just like and 500 meters tall and 200 meters wide and it will be designed they say in three dimensions we'll link the videos watch the videos the tweet the one on the tweet super weird where everything that you need will be within five minutes every daily need will be within five minutes of walking distance there will be like a super controlled like a uh, perfect climate and um, and everything will be automated services, like basically like robotic, you know, maids and stuff like that. You won't have to and it'll make your ease of life. And there'll be a high speed rail that if you needed to go from one end to another, you know, it would only take 20 minutes. And it has this like super weird mirrored looking finish. And yeah, you
1: don't ever go uh, outside. You yeah. You'll have, never go outside. You can see all nine these million scenes. people. They, they say equitable nine scenery.
0: <laughs> yeah. Nine million people would live there uh and this is
1: like total what like a city like you see in total recall
0: it 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 completely is you better believe that every ounce of your being life everything is monitored and controlled in this type of setting it is the most like i had giver vibes on the one on their website where this lady's like sitting in like a current Saudi Arabia or city, or whatever, and it's kind of like all dark, like the color isn't exactly there. And then she like runs and jumps into this thing, and then there's this like bright, beautiful city. and I guess I'd be like backwards, a giver, the giver, but but anyway, it's
1: weird. Well, I every yeah, like you said, every dystopian novel story that you've ever heard is like all combined into this one city, yeah. Uh, and my thought though on that was, is literally. And I've said this for ever since I met mom and saw where she lived in LA, you know, where, where grandma, where they've always lived, I could pretty much live my entire life within five minute walking distance it's of her accurate. house.
0: Yeah. Got I mean, a dentist. there's, there's dentists, doctors, store, grocery, lawyers, grocery
1: yeah. stores, fast food, even grandpa's office. You could all, you know, his business, he could just about could walk to in five walk, minutes. Yeah. So, so, so what? So the thing is there's going to be no, uh, no, no vehicles. So you're not, you know, p- putting out pollution and all this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it's 106 miles long. I think is what it worked out to. Yeah, just so yeah, and and that's why I connected this. I could totally see there's a big part of it just producing soil and green for people to eat as they <laughs> sit in their apartments and take drugs to anesthetize themselves and play video games or whatever. So, be good times. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> the whole AI stuff is just becoming more weird. Uh, right,
0: it's all going to be assisted by artificial intelligence in yeah, the line.
1: Yeah, yeah. See, did you see this? Where even
0: they, the name of it is creepy. Yeah. I, anyway. Why don't they just why?
1: call it the end? <laughs> 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 this is it. This is and the and end. And it's just like this beautiful, like mirrored
0: line, right, ra- raised up in the middle of the desert in the in the, the video. like it's just.
1: I heard people saying like, "Well, why don't they just build that?" down Oh, there's no on, on the cars, no border. roads. Right, that was something
0: right. we didn't say. Yeah,
1: yeah. build it on the southern border and just let all the immigrants just like walk, move into it, and they don't need to go any farther. We can just they can just be housed in something like this.
0: Oh, okay. So the craziness for cannibalism? Sorry, just, it's if you eat the, a human brain. So it's specifically just the brain. So we can eat the, the muscles, all that. Well the brain is a muscle, all the rest of it. I guess the brain's basically just fat, actually, huh?
1: I have no idea <laughs> yeah, what the brain is. is made of. I've eaten, anyway. I've eaten brain before, not human brain. Yeah. People like to thank like, you
0: for clarifying. Thank you for clarifying.
1: People like to like scramble it and you know, like scrambled eggs and ham and potatoes and stuff. And you just in that concoction, kuru. you don't even remember. The really illness is it. called
0: kuru. If you eat human brain, you might get kuru. You might get
1: kuru. Is that and die? Is that like? A variation of cuckoo. You might get
0: cuckoo. Uh, Well, it says that you will have headaches, joint pains, shaking, loss of balance, deterioration of speech, decreased muscle control. Then it will move into the inability to walk without support, the loss of muscle coordination, severe tremors, emotional instability, including depression. A lot of people have this one. With outbursts of uncontrollable laughter. So literally maniacal laughter. (laughs) And the terminal stage. So the cannibalists will laugh maniacally. Before they um, kill you. In the terminal stage, uh, you will be unable to sit without being supported, have virtually no muscle coordination, the inability to speak, incontinence, difficult swallowing, uh, being unresponsive to surroundings, and ulcerations with pus and necrosis or tissue death.
1: So like monkeypox.
0: You could live in that state up to two years in the terminal state. Wow. No, no,
1: I'll just go. Anyway, would, uh, don't get Kuru. Terminal. I would, I would, two Seems ye- easily
0: preventable, though. Kind of like the whole monkeypox thing. Don't eat thing. brain. <laughs> don't yeah. eat human brains. <laughs> this one secret, and you will never get Kuru or never get. I avoid would, this one thing. You'll never get it. Two
1: years, though, I wouldn't call that terminal. I'd call that transitional. <laughs> we're in the transitional phase. Isn't that what we're doing right now? Transitioning? You're transitioning to terminal and then to death. I don't know. I do order. like the maniacal laughter, though.
0: That is pretty funny. I've
1: always thought if I was going to get some kind of disease, if I had to have something, Tourette's would be a good one because then I could have no, then I wouldn't. It's like an
0: excuse to just,
1: yeah, Tourette's and glaucoma. Tourette's and glaucoma. Let me tell
0: you, it's very annoying when someone who has Tourette's uses it as an excuse (laughs) for everything. Sometimes I'm like, if you know that you shouldn't have said that, then you can't use your (laughs) autism and your Tourette's as an excuse. If you're aware enough to know that you how shouldn't do you, have done how,
1: that. Well, they would just not admit right? that they were aware enough.
0: No, but I, this person did used to use it. I don't know. I think that sometimes she <laughs> was totally using it. As was this excuse.
1: your roommate?
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, she was only my roommate for a few weeks, and then she was my sweetmate for a year. But, yeah. I mean, she was really smart, but, oh, man. I've never seen, like, more rude and, like... Socially unaware person and loud to to boot to put on top
1: of it. What's that? What was it? What's what's her what is it called? It's in her syndrome.
0: Asperger's. Yeah,
1: Asper- yeah, Asperger's.
0: Yeah, and yeah. she had Tourette's as well.
1: Yeah, I remember uh, having a conversation. With some people with, she
0: didn't have like the muscle twitches right. so much, but I, some people I've seen.
1: I had a conversation with a with an adult gentleman that I thought that you know maybe he should consider that he had Tourette's. He might have. Um, or not Tourette's, but Asperger's. Uh, Asperger's. And and I, I there's a there's a, like a symptoms for adult adult Asperger's, right? Because he has was always having conflict and changing jobs constantly and da 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 da. And I guess at one point somebody had told him, you know, I guess these are his words. You know, he was a real dick or whatever. And he said, I'm not a dick. And I'm like, well, and, but he didn't want to hear that he had Asperger's right. either. I said, well. You either have Asperger's reason. or you're a dick. I mean, yeah, so yeah. pick one. <laughs> pick one. So, yeah. Oh. He doesn't attend our We've church. We've talked about that before. He doesn't before. attend we our church every, anymore.
0: <laughs> everyone was on the spectrum.
1: <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> but that goes back to like the whole discussion of depression being treated as a chemical imbalance, as opposed, I mean, in his case, maybe it is, but for a lot of people, it's just. You have to admit, this is what's going on in my life. This is where I am. These are the decisions I make. This is the way I treat other people. This is the so these are the kind of relationships I have. Yeah. That has so much more to do you with depression, ownership. yeah, than than just taking a pill for some chemical imbalance that maybe you do or don't have.
0: And talk about like the stages of grief is basically what you're going through. And instead of entering depression, why don't you actually just take some ownership and make some changes? Yeah. and work to better.
1: Yeah. And you know what? That's something that I started, and that's, yeah, when I became a Christian a long time ago, as I mean, I was an adult, but I had to, I had to look at my life and where I was at. Um, it was not going well. and I had to admit that, you know, it was a product of decisions that I was making. Um, and so you've, you know, I've been working ever since to, to make improvements, make better decisions, have better interactions take more responsibility and i still fall way short but just doing a little bit taking a little bit of responsibility made a huge difference to turn begin to turn you know life around to turn the ship around you don't have to do it perfect because none of us are ever going to do it perfect but you can even say i blew it big time I was so wrong, and I acted poorly. I did, but at least take ownership for it and admit it. And then you can recognize why you are in a bad spot right now. It's not yeah. because you have a chemical imbalance; it's because you did something you shouldn't have. And don't let's let's try not to do that again.
0: And it's so much more hopeful when you actually take ownership of it because that means that you might be able to get out of it or there might be something you could do about it. When you don't take ownership and you're just like, oh, this situation is terrible, I can't believe this happened to me, you're saying something else. An outside force is acting outside of your control. Well, yeah, that's kind of depressing. But when you realize that you may have played some part in it and you could, yeah.
1: If it's just an outside force, then you are at its mercy. You have no hope in that. And this is not to say
0: that... There is not, there are not terrible and traumatic and painful and hurtful things that happen to people that are due to other people that that are outside of control, right? But how you respond to it and that is your choice. Yeah. Uh,
1: One of my best. So I
0: don't want to say like take ownership of like if someone was abused or you know whatever. I'm not telling you to. Some of those things are certainly outside of your control and due to someone else's fallen state, but um, but in a lot of these situations that we're that people talking about, you did have some
1: play in. Right. If you want to, you know, it, it kind of, I I kind of tie it together with the idea of success is the best revenge. If you were hurt by somebody, <laughs> mm. you know, if you were hurt by somebody and they wanted to keep you down and diminish you, the best thing you can do is overcome it. Don't let yeah. them, don't let them have that effect on your, on your life. Um, and you're right. It, when you, it, it is hopeful when you realize it is your, most of it is your decisions and, and, and your actions. And I mean, for me, the best illustration was when I used to have a real problem with anger, um, and, and it got bad and it, God just showed me that when it, when it happened, when it, when it, it would explode and really elevate, I knew it was happening and I was making a decision to let it happen because it felt good in the moment. Yeah. But it, but what he showed me was if this is what he said, if you can make a decision to Allow it to happen. You can make a decision to keep it from happening, and that was like an instant healing moment for me. I've never had that issue since. Once I understood I was allowing it to happen, I could allow it not to happen.
0: Well, we have a therapist in our church who he's I mean really a leading figure in some fields of mental health, uh, especially when it comes to mental health and and guns. You would actually he wrote a thing. It's actually really good. I think you would enjoy it. Uh, I can share it to you, but he um but he talked about this a few weeks back at church about like a lot of times we also just feel anger because as an emotion in place of other emotions uh it's like a go-to and that's when it like versus just let yourself feel the appropriate resp- emotion and respond and then you have to move through the feeling to then get so then you can actually think and have rational thought and like, okay, now what?
1: Yeah, because anger is not really, you're not going to have rational thought when you're angry. Yeah. And probably I can see easily how you can go to anger in place of pain, hurt and pain. Yeah. You're going to go to or, anger.
0: Yeah. And he talks about how like, oh, this example of, you know, you're on your way to work in the morning and somebody cuts you off and and you react like in your car with anger at the person but then you don't feel and then you carry this anger all day and then you get home like all day you're off and you're grumpy and you're irritable and you get home and then you're like you're never gonna believe what happened somebody cut me off and like this little you're you're still focusing on this little thing that happened hours ago versus your actual response when your heart jumped and all it was probably fear because they were cutting in and you had to react to it and if you would have let yourself feel the right thing and then move on, you could have, like, and just, okay, like, okay, thanks. Everyone's okay. You know, whatever. We, rea- we reacted.
1: So I'd be interested to hear why he thinks, why do people seem to have a desire to want to hang on to anger?
0: Yeah. I don't What, know, is, I've it, what you is it about us, talk. about that,
1: that we like? Yeah. I think there's yeah. something that we like about being angry.
0: Yeah. I don't know.
1: Just try me.